0: Welcome to Teachings in the Air. Welcome to Teachings in the Air podcast with Jerry Oldman. Coming to you from Hunkamienum territory with a podcast series about Indigenous men's health and wellness. We aim to inspire, motivate, and empower Indigenous men to be sound in mind, body, and spirit because that's what health means. This is Jerry Oldman, coming to you again from Hunkaminum territory with another podcast. Ever since I started doing these teachings in the air, I'm constantly reviewing in my mind teachings in the air I can share with you because traditionally the teachings, unless they were family secrets, we are supposed to share them with the people because we need each other as people. And when we speak the same language and have the same concepts and the same beliefs and we have support from one another, we become one. And this podcast today. I've been thinking about it probably since I started doing podcasts. It's been in the back of my mind. And the reason why it's so long for me to start to talk about this in front of the microphone is because of the sensitivity of the topic. Because, you know, it's something that we all go through in life. And I've been wondering in my mind, and I'd meditate on this in my sweat lodge and my meditation early in the morning, how can I share this in a good way? And what I'm, this podcast about today, this podcast today, is um, in regards to grief and loss. We all go through this life and we lose someone or we lose something. And then it's like we're picking up this heaviness and carrying it. In reality, what happens is if we're carrying that grief too long, it's the reality of it is it's unfinished business. It's business that we must do. It's action that we must take to heal ourselves from this loss. And I know the losses today that we face many losses as indigenous people. The loss of land, for instance, has brought us poverty because there's resources in the land. And I know at times I've grieved over that. I've I've carried heaviness because of the loss of territory in Stadlium territory. Especially when I look at my people living in poverty. And I'd have this heaviness, because grieving means you're carrying heaviness. So I'd have this heaviness just around the loss of land. And I would think about it, and I would see, for instance, in my area... One year, there's 150 truckloads of logs going out every day where we hunt and gather mushrooms and berries. And I would grieve this loss because each tree, they say, ends up to be valued, you know, 700 a $1,000 because by the time everybody that touches that tree and sees that tree gets taxed by the government, so the cost of that or the value of that tree keeps climbing. Just to get to the tree, they have to build a road there. So they have to pay people to build a road for fuel, for equipment, for manpower. So you start to get the picture of all the people involved in just a harvest of a tree and how that tree becomes so valuable. So that's an example of you know, part of my grieving just being indigenous from the oppression of colonization, the loss of land. I've grieved at times living on a reservation, the lands reserved for Indians, because we're all hurt there, and we start to lose our ways our language, our traditions, our rituals. So that, of course, leads to the topic of the loss of identity. And identity is so critical for any human being to feel they identify with something so they could be somebody you know, and I grew up grieving that loss because I, I was not fluent with my language. I was not taught the ceremonies, and the ceremony is something that you do consistently and you do it the same time after time after time. Name giving ceremony, you know, childbirth ceremony, puberty ceremony. You know, all of these ceremonies are people used to do, name giving ceremony. I end up with a colonial name, Gerald. And I used to grieve that at one point in my life. Why don't I have an indigenous name? So you can see now, you're getting a picture where Sahilthit is going here, where Jerry's going that I want to cover a range here on what we have lost as indigenous people and how it impacted us. You know, we have lost family feeling. You've heard me, if you listen to me in other podcasts, talking about family reconciliation and the impacts of the residential school on families. Well, we grieve that too. It's like a lost, long-lost relative. And we get lonely for that feeling of being family. You know, because the whole plan of divide and conquer, you know, that, that worked. And my belief today is when we become strong families again, we're going to win. But first off, we have to get over the grieving of that loss and face it head on and look at it and start to deal with it. So when we lost our ceremony and ritual, there's one of the critical areas I feel today that's lost, remember grief and loss, is a whole ritual around loss. You know, what do we do when someone passes and goes to the spirit world? Are there ceremonies to help us with that? And yes, there is. And I will get to that. But in my introduction here, I just wanted to let you know that grief and loss is not only about death, but it's also about identity and feelings of the The grief from being poor, from that feeling that we're not accepted by Canadian society, from the fear that comes from that when we walk out into the streets some of us are afraid. We don't want to go into the post-secondary institutions or even some restaurants. You know, and that has an impact. So I want to start off here today by talking about, you know, after I give you my brief in- introduction here, that the problems that, we are, that I encountered with unresolved grief, and remember that unresolved means unfinished business. There's unfinished business in my life. And when that happens, it's eventually going to catch up to you and come back to haunt you. And of course that happened to Jerry. If we do not actually do the process of grieving, of letting ourselves grieve, we can come to a state of depression. And what is depression? What is that? It's when there's such a heaviness on our shoulders pressing down on us. And we're trying to carry this in life day after day in that heaviness. And it's just weighing us down and it affects how we see, how we feel, how we communicate that heaviness, that depression. we start to use harmful substances to our body to deal with that depression. And it does work for a bit. It lightens a load. But when we come back to when that stuff leaves our system and it takes 72 hours for alcohol to leave our, leave our system, or drugs to get out of our bloodstream. When it leaves our system, there's another bit of weight added to that original heaviness it becomes accumulative accumulative means that it's like a magnet attracting more of that negative energy and and I myself too used that tool called self-isolation I'd sit by myself I wouldn't talk to people and I would just sit there suffering. You know, so that's another problem that comes with unresolved grief and loss. You know, and it's, uh, we're not ourself. When we're in this state because our original self, you know, we want to help, we want to be part of. We're active. We play board games, we go for walks together, we fish, we hunt together, we do those things. But when we, when we have this unfinished business in our life, sometimes we isolate And that's not good for our relatives to feel that because they're connected to us by blood, by energy. And when we sort of push them away and want to be by ourselves, it's not good. So when we become, in a way, we become strangers even though we know each other all our lives. And the thing about this unresolved grief for us today is we don't know how to deal with it. We have no idea. That's why it's so easy to turn to booze or drugs or what they call process addiction, watch same TV shows over and over again or do something you know, to distract us. And, uh, and while we're involved in this, what I've just been talking about, we start to ignore our body. And some people that are have, living with unresolved grief pick up weight like crazy. They just add on the pounds. Some of them become very thin. They stop eating. There's no motivation. And we're not interested in learning, so we're ignoring our mind too. Or stimulating our mind with good thoughts to share with other people. We become sort of like totally self-centered, and um, you know, and I'm personally talking about myself. It turned into an addiction of self-pity, and that wasn't good for me, or my family, or friends. I had become numb, so in a sense it's like a zombie-like ex- existence, you know, and that's not good, and that's why, you know, I, I convinced myself to do this podcast today, and after I listen to it, I don't know if I'll release it into the air. But I'm gonna do it, I'm doing it now because I feel, you know, maybe it will help someone that's going through, you know, unfinished business in their life and not dealing with their own grief and loss. You know, looking at this topic in my mind, Of course, I start to say, okay, be good to talk about the why of this so we can understand where it comes from. Because you remember Jerry saying over and over and over again, when we say hello to our problems, we can say goodbye to them. And that's a good place to be, believe me, because I have done that in regards to my grief and loss. And I believe today now the reason why, and I think, and I believe that, not think, I believe that this is an issue with many of our people, unresolved grief and loss. About identity. There are some that are feeling heaviness because they think they're not First Nations enough or Indian enough. Because they don't know the language, like I mentioned, or the ceremony or a song. There's heaviness about that. They want it. Or because they're mixed blood. And they're scared to be shamed because of that by their own people and by the Canadians, too. So, with that loss of our traditions and our identity, because you know, if we're truly traditional, we don't other people. We don't put people down because they got Spanish blood in them or Irish blood, because the heel that Jerry has that in him. And it's just because I don't look at people, don't ostracize me or put me down. Because I look Statlium but i know the truth and i know i'll never get rid of that out of my system you know it's in my dna <laughs> you know i can't get rid of it you know and um the wise of this leads to that on we way of life that means our lives become hateful to us and when we're living this way we because we're not yeah, I don't blame you for not dealing with that unfinished business or unresolved grief I want to let you know that right off the go here because I had to learn it and I want to teach you in the air today some ideas of how to deal with this unresolved grief and loss because when we don't have those teachings of course we cannot teach our children or our young relatives and they're probably going to go through the same thing and that's one of the motivations for me to talk about this today I started to think of myself as a child and people weren't teaching me At the residential school, about this part of life, about loss, you know. So, if we take a good look at this, and start to finish our unfinished business, there's a guarantee that something's going to happen, mainly positive for you. You'll feel lighter. You know, I still cry today when I talk about my loved ones that went to the spirit world. And that's a sign of love. I love them, and I miss them. But that's a reality. They're now with my relatives and on the other side. That's a belief that I come to. I, I And I think about this today, and I lose a relative I sing a song to call my other relatives in the spirit world to come and to get the relative that just now become just a spirit only. And I do that with my rattle. And it comforts me. And the reason I do this is because I hear it somewhere. That's what we do. So I do it. And it comforts me that that spirit is not by itself. The spirit of my sister, of my late mom, of friends. When I shake at rattle and I sing and call them we calling them, telling them to come and get their a relative. So the teachings. First off, that we're part of a circle. And that teaching is important, so we never feel alone. That you're part of a circle of relatives and friends. And to be part of that circle, you must pay your dues. You must put in every time you take out. You must share with that circle. Very rarely do I say mustn't have to, but there sometimes I do, and this is one of those days that I'm doing that. You know, and we maintain the strength of that circle by giving to it. Then we can take from it when we need. When we need loving, we need food. We can go to that circle. When we need comfort. When we lost that power of the circle that's when we become lonely and we feel alone. Then, you know, we don't stay that way. I know that for a fact. We start to find other people that don't have a circle. But the only problem is that when we get with them, we don't carry any traditions around ritual and ceremony with this new circle. It's a circle of lonely people. And we get comfort from each other, and sometimes healing. But when I came to Vancouver, I looked for indigenous people to hang out with, and I found them. But we didn't have the traditions from home in downtown Vancouver. We were drinking, and we were drugging. And in that life, there's no strength and there's no harmony. That way of life. So we must put it in our mind and be committed and say, I'm gonna be part of a circle that has harmony and compassion. And is there for the people. And I'm going to put into this circle, it's my responsibility to, to give to the circle and that when I have need, the circle will give back to me. So with the loss of us, my point here in this part is that's why many of us became lost, because we didn't have a circle. Our strength before was that we had strong, healthy relationships We had excellent communication skills about talking about our feelings. When we do that, people can help us. When we can describe what's happening to us without fear. That's what we had before, that's why. You know, this wasn't a major issue, unresolved grief and loss. We had ways and means to help each other regain balance when we lost someone or we lost something special to us. We had ways and means to bring us into balance. You know... The whole area of taking care of our spirit is an area that I'm going to start to move towards here. Because now I know that you have an understanding of what happens. And there's more to it about if we don't face this problem and say goodbye to it, this grief and loss, and learn to celebrate after. Then we start to live again when we do that. So now, you know, because I feel you understand, you know, what Jerry's talking about here when we lose someone. And sometimes we grieve, like I say, our identity, loss of a job, you know, loss of different things. We grieve that too. So. You know, part of this work of starting to look at this and saying, well, what am I going to do about it? You know, and we start to take responsibility and be truthful to ourselves that I'm suffering and I'm hurting now and I need help. Then reach out to connect with another human being to help you. You know, and... um, That sounded very easy what I said there, but for myself, you know, I was so lucky I didn't have to reach out the first time I started to get involved in traditional ways of dealing with loss. You know, and I'm I'm happy till this day, and I'm comforted that I have a way to help myself. Finish that grieving. You know what? I'd learned that um, when someone someone close to me passes, I cut my hair. And it's a symbol of letting go. And I cut my hair. The closer the person is to me, the shorter my hair. And I let go, and it's, a, and it's a way of starting over again without that loved one with me now. They're always with me in a spirit form, but physically they're not here anymore. Also to cut my fingernails and toenails, to tie buckskin laces around my ankles and my wrists and my neck as a symbol that we don't know when people are going to leave us and that remind us we're part of a circle and that circle is still here. And for other people to see that I'm grieving when they see the lace around my wrists or my neck or my ankles. You know, that was Statlium tradition. Cut the hair tie those tie that person teach them we don't know when people are going to pass through the spirit world so you don't take off those laces you let them fall off on their own and that's a constant reminder to us we don't know when we're going to leave this human form so that's a good teaching because I've done that <laughs> I don't know how many times now and I think about it you know and uh, People close to me left, I cut my hair, put on the laces. And I do that for my family now, too. Cut the fingernails, toenails. And those simple actions help me to deal with my loss. Then encouraged to go to Ceremony with the intention of healing myself from this pain. So I go to sweat lodge, I bathe, I sing, I do things to start to get that balance back. Because in a way, when we're in grief and loss, and people will say, the traditional people will say this, you're not yourself now, let me drive for you. Your friends will step up and family members that are, you know, your cousins and stuff, and they'll come up to you. That's what they said to me. You're not yourself now, Jerry. Let me drive for you. That was so nice. That was so, that was part of helping me deal with my grief and loss, and also creating safety. So, you know that impact or their problems. Remember, I said our mind gets affected, our body and our spirit, and that we must help that mind, that body and that spirit. We must help that individual take charge of their mind again, and not be lost in the grief because they still have a life to live and they still have responsibilities to their relatives. Otherwise we become a burden to our relatives, a burden to our friends. So we must take charge of our mind again and open up our mind to release emotions like laughter and crying, you know, and encouragement and gratitude you know, to our friends around us and our friends and our relatives. That's what we do when we start taking charge of our mind again because when we lose, we lose, we're not ourselves for a while. And our mind sort of becomes scattered. So in regards to the mind, we must take charge of our mind again Eventually. Grieving it does, you know, the carrying that heaviness. They tell, they tell me everyone's got their own time frame, but there is a time when it's unhealthy if you're carrying it too long. It's not good for you, for me as an individual. When we take charge of our mind, the chances of us hurting people in our home are our work lesson. And we can start to teach others after what we've gone through and faced it and dealt with it in a positive, healthy, healing way. Now we're at a place where we can start to teach healing and do peer support for our friends and our relatives in regards to grief and loss. When we take charge of our mind again, then we start to look We start to see what happened when we became lost in a sea of sadness and hurt. And then we start to learn in life to build support networks. And I believe this used to be indigenous way before that, but nowadays I'm going to encourage you to build a support network. People you can call on develop that energy if I got your back you got my back when that happens it's beautiful and you say to somebody hey you know I got your back I'm here for you then you know when that happens to you they got your back and we start to take control of our mind again start to intentionally create fun and recreation for yourself and your loved ones and your friends as part of your healing process. Go to the movies again. Go to the dance, go to the ball game, go to the potlatch. Start to do these things. And you start to, when you do this, because we all have a vision of what we want to accomplish in life. Once you deal with this grief and loss, you can start to achieve and chase your vision again what you want to accomplish in life, what kind of footprint you want to leave. And I'm always telling people, it doesn't matter, don't ever compare yourself to others. If you want to just have a home, that's good for you. Or if you want a circle of friends, and that's good enough for you, that's good for you. Because some people want more education, a different job, and that's good too. So when you're doing this, you're replacing the negative with the positive. You chase those negative thoughts out of your mind and you allow positive thoughts to come in. And then people will literally see a change in your eyes and your voice. Because you're carrying heaviness. You really don't want to connect with people with your eyes. You look down and look away. And your voice has got no life to it, no up and down, no rhythm. So when you chase or you actually do the grief and loss, it's not avoiding it or anything. It's actually letting yourself cry and sometimes become enraged because you're angry because that person left or whatever you lost. But leave it there once it's done. Then that's when you can replace that negative with a positive. And then you can start to make a commitment to live in the present. Live today, this very second. Oh, I'm going to make this nice fruit salad for my family. And actually do it and be conscious of it, cutting up the watermelon, the cantaloupe, the apples, and whatever you're putting in there. And you start to be committed again to creating harmony in your circle and giving. Remember when I said you have to give to that circle? This is an example of how you give to your circle. You do things for it without, without asking. You just do it. It's a wonderful feeling to do it that way, I've done it. So in a sense, we're healing for our survival and the survival of our people. That's why we need to do the grief and loss work and heal from it. Then we can continue our journey as a human being with a mission and a purpose. Which is to keep the circle strong, you know, and help people achieve their dreams and their wishes. That's a good purpose when we're here for the people. You know that learned helplessness is an epidemic because once we start to display that there's people watching us and there's the children and younger relatives. And then it becomes an epidemic. And epidemic, the word epidemic means that people are visited by. They talked about the epidemic of the Black Plague in Europe. That means a black plague that really nasty disease was visiting every household. And that took people, it killed people. That's what an epidemic is. We don't want an epidemic of sadness and anger and fear with our people. And we must be honest with ourselves and say that we have partial epidemics now. But when we help ourselves and change our behavior, we're starting to stop that epidemic, that visitation. When we do this, we start to create supportive relationships, where we support each other. Remember, I say, you got my back, I got your back. That's a natural thing that will come out of this when you open yourself up and you start to actually grieve, means you actually let the tears roll, and you start to talk about your loss with a trusted one and another loved one. You know, it wasn't... um, I wasn't going to come here today and I wasn't going to do this podcast. I, I guess maybe I'm afraid. But I met a friend of mine grieving this morning, I hadn't seen it in four years, and I didn't know the loss that my friend went through. And I started grieving again for my losses. I started crying. And I was glad I did, because I wasn't swallowing it anymore. I wasn't denying it that I still feel pain. But I let it happen. Because I have been given messages that when you feel, you heal. So I thank my friend today for helping me farther along my healing journey of losing my brother and my sister and my other relatives. See, that's an example of a supportive relationship. We were supporting each other because we both lost. But we started, I can feel, us starting to recharge again. We allowed ourselves to be sad. We held each other in our sadness, and that was support. And then we start to talk about taking charge of our mind again and becoming active participants in life, because that's what it's about. You know, it's a natural feeling for all of us to feel pain for our world as indigenous people. But it doesn't mean we have to stay there. When we disown our pain, that's when we become isolated. You know, we must embrace that pain and let it happen. And then we can direct our life again. Because if we don't, we're like a leaf floating in the wind. We go here, we go there, you know, with no intention or no purpose. And then we become part of the circle again when we do this work, and now we can do collective decision-making. Oh, hey, we need to help our nephew over there. You know, he's struggling now. Because when we're trapped in that grief and loss, we don't see anything but ourselves. You know, being part of a circle is being part of a collective of human beings that are in the same journey, which is life, being human. Not a human being, but being human. And what are humans supposed to do? We're supposed to transform our environment if it becomes uncomfortable. We're to help each other transform our environments. When something comes in that's gonna stop us from achieving success, to stop us from believing we have rights, to say no, to say yes. Recognizing ourselves as wonderful people, beautiful people, and that we come from beautiful people, indigenous people. This healing work from this grief and loss will benefit our circle and all of our relationships. It'll enhance the feelings of that circle. It'll enhance a positivity of that circle. And that was our strength before contact. We're going to go home. And I believe that just because I'm talking about this today. I was thinking this morning I'm going to talk in a podcast and I want to make sure I'm telling you I'm just a reflection, I'm an echo of all the words I'm sharing with you were told to me by children, adults, and elders. We're going to increase our power as a people to produce winners, to produce beauty, to produce, you know, people that accomplish and go regardless of all the challenges that face them. They refuse to be stopped. We're going to develop a group consciousness of this is the indigenous way. This is the way indigenous people do it. They respect life. They don't waste. They're not mean to one another. They're not mean to themselves. And all that happens, if we're going to reduce self-blame, we're not going to blame ourselves anymore. And I know I've done that to myself. We're going to assume responsibility for change. That I'm part of the change, I'm part of the solution, I'm not part of the problem in this life. So, to have that, we first off believe in ourselves that we're here for something, we're here to do something, we have a gift, we have a purpose. We're going to identify and build our own strength that we have. Like, I have the strength of listening, I know I do. Because all of the things I'm telling you, I heard it and I listened to it, so I can reflect it back to you. I can release it into the air. You know, we're going to identify what's strong and beautiful, and we're going to take it into our circle. That's what we're going to do, that's what's needed. And we're going to take responsibility of being teachers to our youngsters that are following us. We're going to realize that there's many little eyes looking at us, watching how do we deal with grief and loss? How do we deal with education? How do we deal with being healthy? How do we deal with our identity? I'm a proud Stetlium man And I refuse to do things that are harmful that's not the statlium way. I will not swear at anyone. I will not use profane language because that's not statlium. When I'm hurting now, I will weep. When I'm happy, I'll laugh and I'll celebrate. And then, What we're going to do is mobilize our resources. Like right now, I'm mobilizing because I have two nephews with me today. They're adopted. But we're creating these podcasts to go into the air. That's mobilization. We want to be part of the solution. We have a young, wonderful young woman behind us. Like the captain of the canoe, you know, gives us the resources to do what we're doing. And then we have another one that's even above her that supports us and says, yeah, you guys do that. So with this, we're going to bring people to a sense of their own power, their own abilities to deal with issues like grief and loss, to Achieve their goals regardless of the opposition that stands in front of them. And some of this opposition is old as the first colonizer had stepped on this part of the earth. We're not going to allow it to have any more power over us. So we're going to bring people to the sense of their own identity and power and, and achieve their goals that's my intent that's why i'm doing this children will learn and gain and develop through hanging out with empowered healed adults that's how the children are going to you know that's what they need is to associate with adults that have dealt with their grief and loss, that are willing to learn, that will admit when they don't know. So this is this is about developing self-concepts. I'm feeling lighter now, because I was sad when I started this, because I was triggered back into grief and loss again today. And now I see actually. What happened with me, and I started to deal with my grief and loss, and I started to have some competency, some confidence in what I'm doing. And I have understanding. I, I have a better understanding of the social and political environment today in Canada. I do. For myself, for Jerry, for Sahilthit. And I don't expect you to rhyme with mine or to be exactly like mine, but I have mine. And I want to be part of social change, social justice. And I've now come to the place where I do develop, I am developing personal and group resources for a better life for indigenous people. I now go and share with the institutions like corrections and universities and colleges and courts and different things to articulate and define for them what happened so they'll understand and I'll tell them, you, you make a statement of accountability of harm to indigenous people so that you can change. Because many of our people, my people, are grieving because of the treatment they received in your justice courts, in your universities and social work programs. You know, and we have grieved that. But now we're coming to a place of choosing our actions and that's a wonderful place, we do have a choice. So I want to encourage you, if you have grief and loss, find a way to do the actual grieving. Because that needs to happen. I found that out. When I deny it and I refuse to deal with it, I'm carrying it. And it becomes a weight. And there's a heaviness in my step. And in a sense, I become a weak link in the circle. You know, so there's many benefits to this. Dealing with this topic. So this grief around identity, I encourage you to start to use even if you just count in your language. Like let's say you're exercising. Like I exercise and I start to count Pala, Anwish, clash, Chilkch. You know, and I start to feel identify as Stathlium. So we can do these simple little acts to combat that sadness from the loss of our language and we can start to revive it one word at a time. Then we can start to say, I'm going to be indigenous and I'm going to help people Who need help? That I can help. That's generosity. I am going to be respectful of the life givers—the women, the girls, the grannies, the aunties, the sisters, the friends. I am going to be indigenous, and no one can take that away from me. Yes, I may not know much, but I'm going to learn. I'm going home. I was talking yesterday about freedom. And I say that again today, we're going to free ourselves from this grief and loss around identity and the loss of loved ones and the loss of land. And we're going to do everything in our power one step at a time, one day at a time to get it back. That's how it's going to happen because no one's going to give it to us. We need to work for it. So let's do that together. Let's accept the reality and try not to get fearful, angry, or depressed about it. You know, that's a big order for me to ask you, but I'm going to ask you. Take responsibility for your life and for the life of your culture, your way of life. And that way you can start one word at a time with your language, learn a song, put away some berries when the berries are ripe, can some salmon, there's a little piece of land beside where you live, plant a garden. You know, start to get that self-reliance bug that our people carried for thousands of years. Make connections, positive connections. And one of my uncles says, "Uh, Jerry, you fly with the crows, you're going to get shot, man. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I learned because the crows were the people that were stealing and drinking. The bad apples, and I was a bad apple, but my uncle said that to me. You know, you fly with those crows, Jerry, you're going to get shot. Sure enough, I got arrested, put in jail. You know, so make positive connections. And finally, live now. Live your journey. Celebrate your journey. Accept yourself as who you are. Indigenous, mixed indigenous, whatever it is, accept yourself and live your journey. Share your journey in a positive way with your loved ones. I'd like you to talk to you I'd like to talk to you more, but I just want to thank you for listening to this. I'm, I've talked to a few people, listen to my fo- my podcasts. But I'd like to hear from you and come to us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, please. Let us know if I'm making sense to you or if they're too long or too short or too noisy or whatever. Because, you know, I'd rather grow by some feedback than not grow by, you know, praise that's not true. So please... um, send messaging out to us, and if you do get something out of it, share it with your relatives and your friends. You know, because the intentions of this teaching's in the air is to share with people and to be part of the solution, to empower you, to assist you in your healing journey, and to prepare for the future. Because when we've become a circle again, we have no fear of the future. So I'd just like to thank you again and wish you the best on your journey. And I'll, and I'll say to you, there are many benefits from allowing yourself to grieve, to shed tears, to talk to someone to make that connection and do a ceremony. You don't have to cut all your hair off. An elder told me, and I was talking to an elder, and he says, you can just cut half of it off, an inch of it. He says, the whole idea is an intention of letting your relative go to the spirit world in a good way. Then there's burning ceremonies. Once in a while, I burn food for my relatives, because that's a doorway to the spirit world, is through the fire. And I feed them. Once I fed my dad, because he loved coconut-covered marshmallows, and I found some, and I cooked breakfast for my dad. He liked bacon and eggs and potatoes. And I put some marshmallows in there, and I went and burned it. And I said, hey, Dad, here's some food for you. And it helped me with my loss. It's like paying it forward to the spirit world, and we can do that. So my sincere hope is that there's goodness in this for you, that it help you to heal, because that is my intent. And uh, So I'm going to sign off now and be coming back to you in the future with more podcasts. I find I have so much to say and I have to sort it out in my mind to get it into a focus. And I've been doing that and I think I'm getting better at it. So you take care, have a good life, you know, find a circle, build a circle, join a circle, you know, (laughs) become indigenous, support indigenous, you know, all of that. Because I know non-indigenous people are listening to these podcasts too. And I thank you for that because you learn about us and you can support us and we can become allies. So I'd just like to thank my crew for being here today and uh, the support that I get to do this because it is an honor. And I thank you. Goodbye.